Thank you for listening to the South Metro Ministries podcast. We hope it's been a blessing to you wherever you are. For more information about South Metro Ministries, please visit smmcog.com. not talking about the uh-oh, uh, you're in big trouble, like we used to say as toddlers or young kids growing up, when we found ourselves doing something wrong. I'm talking about Red Sea kind of trouble this morning, talking about lion's den kind of trouble and fiery furnace kind of trouble, talking this morning about the kind of trouble that has the ability to turn your world upside down and inside out. You ever been in that kind of trouble, church? You know, maybe some of you are in that place of trouble this morning, but I want you to be encouraged because there's a way out of that trouble. Amen? That's what we're going to look at this morning. I want you to understand as I begin this message, it's going to seem a little what you might call depressing or discouraging, and that's not my goal. The goal of my word this morning is to encourage you, because how many of you know, no matter how much trouble we might find ourselves in, how big our troubles or struggles might be, our God's a whole lot bigger, amen? He's a lot bigger than all your struggles, all your troubles, all your difficulties that you might face in this life. The Word of God tells me that the heavens, the vastness of the heavens are simply His throne and that this world is His footstool. What that tells me is all of the troubles you face in this world, all the struggles you face in this world, all the difficulties and heartache that you face in this world are His footstool as well. That means all of the things that you're facing in this world They're under His feet. How many of you are thankful that all the things that you have struggles with are under His feet? Amen? We can put them under our feet as well. Before we go any farther, one more time, let's go to our big God in prayer. Amen? Just ask that He be with us. Father God, I thank You that You are our Deliverer, our strong tower, our fortress. Ever-present help in a time of trouble, you're our healer, our provider, our protector. You're everything we have need of this morning, God, and I'm thankful that you are here with us. You chose to dwell among us, Father God, when you could have walked away from us. Father, I'm thankful that when Adam sinned, you went looking for him. Father God, I thank you that you're looking for us today as well. You're looking to fellowship with us and meet with us and speak words of life into us, Father God. So no matter what we've gone through this week, I pray that we would set it aside, that we would be able to focus on you and receive what you have for us this morning. Once again, God, I ask that you would arrest my mind, my mouth, my words, my physical body. Bring it under your control. I don't want to be under my control. I want to be under your control. And so do your people. Give us ears to hear. Give us hearts that are willing to receive. Stir us. Let us not be afraid to clap or cheer when we hear something good, Father. Let us not be like we're gathering in the the name of just any old person, but we have gathered in the name of the Most High God. Thank you for the opportunity to be in your house and the opportunity to speak your word. Give you the praise and the glory and all of God's people said. 
Amen. You might be seated. I don't have a lot of passages in scriptures this morning. I'm going to share one passage of scripture, maybe two. It's even a short verse, and then I want to expound on that and give you deeper insight into that word. The title of my message this morning is taken from John chapter 16, verse 33, where Jesus said, In this world you will have trouble. Like I said, he's not talking about just any old kind of trouble. It's the kind of trouble that doesn't care who you are. The kind of trouble that doesn't care what age you are, what gender you are, what color you are, how rich you are, what kind of car you drive. It doesn't care who you are. Talking about the kind of trouble that is no respecter of persons. You see, I know the Word of God tells us that God is no respecter of persons, and I'm thankful of that, amen, church? That He treats us all the same and loves us all the same. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. Yes, God is no respecter of persons. He loves us all equally, church. But what we must understand this morning is that the devil is no respecter of persons either. The reality is he hates us all equally. He hates the little baby that's been born. He hates the child and the teenager. He hates the young adult. He hates the single. He hates the married. He hates the rich. He hates the poor. He hates the black. He hates the white. He hates the one that lives on this side of the track and that side of the track. He hates us all, church. He is no respecter of persons. The reality is the devil doesn't care what your name is. He doesn't care how many initials are in front of your name or after your name. He doesn't care if you're a reverend. He doesn't care if you're a doctor. He doesn't care if you're first, second, or third generation. He hates all generations the same. The devil is no respecter of persons, church. And all that he wants to do is bring the kind of trouble I'm talking about into each and every one of our lives. Wants to bring the kind of trouble I'm talking about into every single marriage in this house. Every single teenager in this house, every single young adult in this house, every individual in this house, he wants to bring that kind of trouble into your mind and into your marriage, into your family, and into your finances. He wants to bring big, bad, heart-aching trouble into every single one of our lives. It's a trouble that can strike at any moment, church. How many of you know that kind of trouble that I'm talking about? It can strike in the morning, it can strike in the afternoon on your way to work, it can strike in the workplace, it can strike in the middle of the night when you're sound asleep. It can strike at the dinner table, it can strike at a ball game, it can strike anywhere we find ourselves. It can terrorize your soul, it can break your heart at any given moment, church. It's the kind of trouble that seeks to steal, kill, and destroy your joy, your peace, It comes to steal your rest. It comes to steal your sound mind. Every other area of your life that you can think of, it's big trouble, church. But please understand, I'm not here to prophesy problems over your marriage or over your mind or over your family or over your kids. I'm not here to preach gloom and doom this morning. Because in just a moment, I'm going to do my best to build you up. Amen? 
But the first thing we have to remember is that Jesus himself said in John 16, 33, in this world you will have trouble. He didn't say you might have trouble. He didn't say, hey, it's possible that you'll have trouble. He didn't even say, hey, it's quite likely that you will have trouble. Emphatically and with certainty, Jesus said to his people, in this world you will have trouble. It's why Peter said in 1 Peter 4, verse 12, Do not be surprised at the fiery trials that come upon you. Do not be surprised at the the big trouble or the fiery kind of trouble that comes upon you as though something strange is happening to you. You see, that's the way we act sometimes. Surprised. I'm a child of God. I got me a Ph.D. Why would trouble be coming to my house? I go to church every week. I tithe every week. I pray when I'm supposed to pray. What do you mean trouble coming into my marriage? In this world, Jesus said all of us will have trouble. It's what we do with that trouble that matters. It's what we do when we find ourselves in the midst of that trouble that matters. And we'll look at that as I go. But before I continue, I want us to understand what Jesus is saying when he says, In this world you will have trouble. The word trouble that Jesus uses here in the Hebrew language is surus. It means adversity. Any of you ever have some adversity in your life? It means affliction. It means anguish, it means distress, it means tribulation. It also means narrow and small, pressed in and squeezed. How many of you ever been there? Pressed in on every side like the Israelites were pressed in at the Red Sea. They were squeezed in. They had the enemy riding in behind them on one side. They had mountains on the other. And they had the Red Sea in front of them. They were surrounded by seeming impossibility. They were squeezed in, church. How many of you ever been there? How many of you ever been in that place where in in comparison to the problem... In comparison to the giant, in comparison to the mountain, you feel small. You see, that's what surus means. It means small. It means pressed in. I'm reminded of the children of Israel when the spies were sent out into the promised land to spy out the land to see if it was worth taking. Ten spies, when they went in there, they saw the giants, they saw the opposition, and the Bible says they felt small. In comparison to the giants that occupied the land, in comparison to the trouble that they would have to face in order to receive their promise, they felt small. The Bible says they called themselves grasshoppers. That's pretty small, amen? But that's the kind of trouble Jesus is talking about, the kind of trouble that makes you feel small compared to the trouble and the problems that you're facing in life. And the reason that all of us in this life, keep that in mind, in this life and in this world, underline that in your scriptures. He tells us 
that all of us in this world will face that kind of trouble. And because all of these definitions of trouble that I said, adversity, affliction, anguish, distress, tribulation, all of these come from the Hebrew root word sorah. And it means adversary. It means opponent. It means foe. And what Jesus is reminding us in this passage of Scripture is that in this world, all of us will have trouble because in this world, all of us have an adversary. Every single one of this room has an enemy and has a foe. Every single one of us in this room has an enemy that has set himself against us. And I hope you grasp that and I hope you understand the fact that your marriage this morning has an enemy. Your marriage this morning has an adversary that has set himself against your marriage and he will do everything that he can to destroy it. You have an enemy that doesn't give a flip about your mind and he'll do everything that he can to trouble your mind and and bring anguish into your mind. You have an enemy that has set himself against your children each and every day. An enemy that has set itself against your finances and wants to bring them into ruin, wants to fracture your family, because in this world, we all have an adversary. I told you in the beginning, he doesn't care who you are. doesn't care how much money you have in the bank. Please understand, you can't buy off the devil. He doesn't care about your money doesn't care about your wealth, your fame, your fortune. He doesn't care about the corner office that you work in. He doesn't care about the fancy car you drive and the fancy clothes you wear. He doesn't care. All he wants to do is bring devastation into your life, church. And I'm not saying this to discourage you. I'm not saying this to glorify problems or struggles or or the trouble that I'm referring to. Because in a minute, we're going to glorify God. In the midst of our trouble, amen? So what we have to understand is that in this world, according to Scripture, you, have, you and I have an adversary or an enemy that prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. That someone is you and me. Understand every day. I don't want to repeat myself, but the devil wants to devour your finances. Wants to devour your marriage, wants to devour your husband, wants to devour your wife, wants to devour your children, church. That's his goal. It's what he wants to do. And the reality is unless we watch, unless we stand guard, church, unless we stand guard over our children, unless we stand guard over our household, unless we stand guard over our mind, unless we stand guard over our marriage, church, The enemy will come in and the enemy will destroy us unless we put on the full armor of God, church. The enemy will gain access to every area of our lives and we will find destruction and devastation in the midst of trouble and struggles. You need to put on the full armor of God if you want to overcome this kind of trouble and this kind of struggle. You have to be armed. You have to have the full armor of God. You see, the sad reality is far too often we run out into the world in the morning and we're not clothing ourselves in the armor of God. We're not taking up the full armor of God, church. We get up, we we rush to the shower, we rush to get dressed, we rush to have our food, we rush to get the kids ready for school, we rush to get off to work, and we fail to stop and arm ourselves for the day. 
We run out naked and we wonder why we're destroyed halfway to work, church. We run off unclothed and we wonder why devastation is coming into our lives. We don't put the armor that we need on our marriage and we don't put the armor that we need on our minds and we don't put the armor that we need on our children. And then we wonder why devastation has been happening in our lives. The full armor of God. You see, it's not enough to have on one piece, church. You need the full armor. This isn't enough. This isn't mocking God's word is powerful, church. It's living and active. But if this is the only thing you run out into the day with, you're still going to be destroyed. Listen, I don't know any successful soldiers that run out onto the battlefield naked. Doesn't matter how big their sword is or how big their rifle is or how big the weaponry that they have in their hand. If they are not armored, they will still be destroyed. And you need to understand that when you go out into the day. Yes, you have to take the sword of the Spirit because it's the only offensive weapon you have. But if that's all you have and you're not armored up and your mind's not covered and you don't have on the breastplate of righteousness and if you're not girded up in the loins of truth, church, if you don't have the shield of faith, you will still be destroyed on the battlefield. you got to put up everything. Read it yourself. God tells us to put on the armor before we even pick this up. That's not my words. That's the word of God. We need to put on the full armor of God, and we must guard ourselves from the trouble and the adversary, the enemy that has set himself against us, church. In this world, you will have trouble, Jesus said. But read on, because Jesus didn't end his conversation here. Amen? He didn't end it in trouble. He didn't end it in defeat. He didn't end it with us being helplessly and hopelessly overcome. And the sad reality is that's where a lot of us live our entire Christian lives, helplessly and hopelessly overcome. Trouble comes our way. Trouble comes knocking on the door. Trouble surrounds us. And that's where we end up living our Christian life. Overwhelmed by trouble, helpless and hopeless, church. But that's not where we are supposed to live and that's not where we're supposed to move. It's not where we're supposed to breathe. It's not where we're supposed to have our being. We're supposed to live and move and breathe in Jesus Christ. We're supposed to live and move and breathe in power and authority. We're supposed to live and move and breathe in the things of God and and in the power of God and under the anointing of God. Listen, when you go out into this world every single day, you need the anointing of God just like I need the anointing of God to stand behind this pulpit because I'm not the only one doing warfare and I'm not the only one doing battle. When you get up in the morning, you need to ask for the anointing of God to be on you and your children and your household because you need power to overcome the adversary and the enemy. He's not some little weakling, church, and I'm not here to glorify him. I'm here to make you aware of the tactics and the schemes of the devil that wants to do nothing but tear you apart. You need the anointing. When's the last time you prayed for the anointing, young people? Old people, single, when's the last time you, you, you put your knees on the ground and you said, God, I need your anointing today. 
I need heaven to pour out power into my life and power into my marriage. I need you to anoint my marriage. I need you to anoint my mind. I need you to pour it out like oil so it runs down over my life and onto my children and into my workplace. That's what the anointing is, and that's what we should be doing. But when trouble comes, we cower and we run away. Listen, when you got the anointing on you, when you got the power of God on you, it doesn't matter what comes your way. I don't care if you're a teenager or a senior citizen. You can walk in the anointing of God. But if you don't ask for it, if you don't prepare for it, it's going to fall on someone else. Listen. If this church doesn't prepare itself for the anointing, if this church doesn't prepare itself for God's power, it's going to go somewhere else. If this people in this house isn't hungry enough for the anointing of God to pour on them like oil, he will pour it out somewhere else. Oh, amen. Thank you, sister. I don't know about you, but I want the anointing of God to flow down on my family. I want the anointing of God to flow down on my children. Oh, hallelujah. I want the anointing of God to flow from my lips and touch every word that comes from my mouth. I want the anointing of God to be upon me when I lay my hands on somebody and pray for them. When I pick up the phone to call and say, how you doing? I want the anointing of God to flow through that phone line, church. And the only way it's going to happen is if I prepare myself for that anointing. Uh, Listen, I came and enjoyed a time of prayer on Saturday with the, the prayer team so I could be prepared for the anointing. If you haven't been here on the first Saturday of every month, you need to come and find the anointing of God right here in the sanctuary at 8.30 every uh, first Saturday of the month. You don't make yourself available to the things that are available to you. You're going to struggle in your trouble. Amen. I want the anointing. Jesus didn't end his conversation in trouble. Didn't end it with gloom and doom and deep despair, and neither will I this morning. Didn't end it at the Red Sea. Listen, the story wasn't over at the Red Sea, amen? God made a way where there was no way. And when the rivers was opened and the water was separated, guess what happened to the horse and the rider? They were thrown into the sea. He did not end his conversation at the Red Sea. Didn't end his conversation in the lion's den. The story didn't stop there, amen? Because Daniel rose up out of the lion's den and it changed a nation because he understood what to do when he found himself in a place of big trouble. I've never been thrown into a lion's den, but Daniel knew exactly what to do. Knew exactly what to do. He understood where his help came from. He understood that in this world we'll have trouble, but he was of good cheer because he served a God that overcame this world. Didn't end in the fiery furnace. The Bible tells me that the Spirit of God 
came in the form of God, showed up right there because they knew what to do in their time of trouble. He didn't do this. Oh, God, I give up. What'd they do? They knew what to do in their time of trouble. And the thing that amazes me with these boys is that before they even went in, they said, even if he doesn't deliver me, even if he doesn't deliver me, I will not bow to trouble. I will not bow to struggle. I will not bow to my sorrow. I will not bow to my enemy that seeks to destroy me, church. But it did not end in the fiery furnace because they came out, church, untied. And they didn't even smell like smoke. And that's another message I'm bringing sometime. Your story isn't over. Your story is not to end in gloom and doom and deep despair. Because after telling us what we will face in this world, Jesus said, take heart. Take heart! Two simple words, take heart. You know what that means? It means be strengthened in your soul. Be strengthened in your soul. It means be of good cheer. Boy, that's hard sometimes, isn't it? Here I got trouble round about me. Here I'm pressed in on every side. Can't tell up from down, left from right. Squeezed to where I can't breathe. And Jesus says, be of good cheer. Woo! There's something about that, church. Be of good cheer. You know, when he says take heart, this is what I... This is what I picture, and I know it's not accurate. I picture literally taking my heart, taking grab of hold of my heart and saying, Cheer up, heart. Take heart. Be of good cheer. Be strengthened. Listen, how many of you know that David had to encourage his own soul? David had to take heart. David had to be encouraged from time to time. He had to strengthen his soul. And it's what Jesus was saying, be strengthened. In your heart, in the midst of your trial, tribulation, whatever you're going through this morning, the Word of God says you can be of good cheer. Why? Because He has overcome this world. Because He has overcome Surus. All of the affliction and all of the anguish and all of the pain and all of the trials and all of the tribulation. And ultimately, He has overcome Sarah. He's overcome your adversary that roams about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour it. He defeated him, church, 2,000 years ago on Calvary's cross. And one day he will get his full recompense. Amen. He'll be bound up and cast into that pit forever. Boy, he's messed with us long enough. I look forward to that day. Amen. I look forward to that day when I can look down from glory and see the dude that's been messing with my life and messing with my mind and messing with my family and messing with my finances once and for all find his due recompense. But until then, what do we do? Put our hope in Christ. Put our trust in Christ. Put our confidence in Christ. 
that's what we do, amen? When we find ourselves surrounded by struggles and troubles, we put our confidence and our, our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, church, one of the sad realities is, is so often when just a little bit of trouble comes into our life, we lose our cheer. So often, church, when just a little bit of trouble comes knocking at our door, we lose our joy, we lose our peace, we lose our hope, we lose our spiritual strength, church, because we don't understand who we are in Christ. I said it in the first service, but so often when, when the, the enemy, big trouble, when the big bad wolf comes knocking at our door, we look through the little peephole. And when we see him, we cower. When we see him, we're petrified. When we see him, we're overcome. We're squeezed. Can't even breathe. Instead of being able to open that door and look in that enemy straight in the eye and say that Jesus has given me authority over every unclean spirit, you foul, unclean, dirty-looking spirit, I rebuke you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. You've come to blow down my house, but I'm speaking the name of Jesus. You've come to destroy me, but I'm standing up against you. You've come to destroy and eat and kill and take my joy and my peace, but I'm standing here unshaken and unmoved. Because I know who I believe in. I know who I have trust in. I know who I have confidence in. Be gone in the mighty name of Jesus. Oh, listen to me, church. It's time we stop cowering. And it's time we stand our ground. Amen. Hallelujah. Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you might stand. Hallelujah. Please grasp that. You might not be able to run, but I can stand. You might not be able to fight, but I can stand. And when you stand trusting in God, guess who fights for you? Guess who fights with you? When I'm weak, he's strong. If God is for me, who can stand against me? Oh, hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Listen, church, some of you need to start letting the Holy Spirit fight for you. Some of you need to let the Word of God start fighting for you. The power and the presence of God start fighting for you. He said, be still and know that I'm God. There are times where you need to just stand still and be quiet. Stand still and know that I am God. Stand still and behold the great work that I will do among you for the enemy and the trouble you see today. You will see no more forever, Jesus, God said. And your horse and your rider will be thrown into the sea. Be of good cheer. Woo! I'm of good cheer this morning, church. Because I serve a great, big God. And there is nothing impossible for Him. I don't know where you're at. But wherever you're at, it's not too hard for God. 
Whatever you're dealing with and whatever you're going through, it's not too big and too difficult for God. Amen? Because nothing is impossible for God. Listen, if you would let that sink down into your soul. Holy Spirit, find that access into their heart this morning. Because I believe with all of my heart there's some of you that just aren't grasping this. There's some of you that are still just trying to figure this out by faith. Just receive it, church. I think far too often we don't understand our position in Jesus Christ. Far too often we don't understand that we've been given authority over every unclean spirit, like I said, and when the big bad wolf of trouble comes your way, you can exercise that authority. All authority on heaven and earth and below the earth, Jesus said, has been given to me and I give it to you. We're not using the authority. I believe sometimes we don't understand that we can say unto this mountain, Be thou moved and cast into the sea, and it will obey, the Bible says. Listen, I don't care what kind of trouble you're going through. I don't care how big your giant is. The Word of God tells me that I have the ability to speak to that mountain, speak to that giant, speak to that hill, speak to that big bad trouble, speak to the big bad wolf and say, Be thou removed and cast into the sea, and it will have to move. And the reason that I believe that we don't understand that, church, is because far too many of us spend our entire Christian life struggling over mountains. Climbing over mountains. We find ourselves while we're on that mountain. God, what'd you bring me here for? God, I hate this mountain. God, this mountain's hard. God, this mountain's difficult. God, this mountain, well, why do I have to climb this mountain? Because you didn't move it. Because you didn't move it. This isn't just some whoopie-doo talk. This is the truth of the Word of God. The reason that so many of us struggle over mountains is because we have failed to move them under the authority and the power of Jesus Christ. Listen, I know there are mountains that you will have to climb. Those are the mountains God put there. Those are the mountains that the Lord put there. Those are the mountains that He uses to strengthen you and mature you and to give you some spiritual growth and spiritual strength in your life. But I promise you, you better get to the place where you can discern between a mountain of God and the mountain of the devil because you need to know which ones are for you and which ones are against you. Man, I can go in a lot of different ways right here. There's a lot of you in the house that when the devil brings a mountain your way, you're confusing it for the mountain of God. And you glory in your struggle. And you glory in your, oh, I'm being persecuted for righteousness sake. No, you're not. You're being persecuted because of your foolishness. You're being persecuted for your lack of understanding that this is a mountain that the enemy has put in your way and you're refusing to stand up under the authority and the Spirit of God and command it to move in Jesus' name. 
And you can do the flip side of that. God puts mountains in your life and you start rebuking them thinking they're of the devil. And you're rebuking God instead. You're rebuking the lesson that he's trying to teach you and the truth that he wants to put into your life and the maturity that he's trying to develop. And you rebuke God and his work in your life. You better understand the difference between those two mountains. You getting this, church? You understand what I'm talking about? Understand who the mountain comes from and understand who you're speaking to. I've been there. I know what I'm talking about. I'm not just preaching this at you. I've had to learn this myself. Spending a lot of my time in tears, either rebuking God or putting up with the devil, thinking it's of God. God had to teach me discernment. And again, listen, I don't want to get off track. You're not going to learn discernment unless you prepare yourself for it. You're not going to have that still small voice nudge you and speak to you unless you put yourself in that place where you can hear that voice. Run out into the clutter of the day. We never have our quiet time. Never have our alone time. Never have our meditation time. And we can't hear God. Speak to us and give us some truth. Amen, church? Find that time. Find that time so that you can hear from the Lord. In this world, you will have trouble. Far too often that trouble goes longer than it should because we do not understand our position in Jesus Christ. Amen? In this world, you will have despair, you will have affliction, you will have adversity, your marriage will have difficulty, your family will have frustrations, your finances will face all sorts of fears. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, Jesus said, for I have overcome this world. In the same verse, Jesus said this, in the beginning of that verse, Jesus said, I have told you these things. So that in me you might have peace. And then he goes on and says, in this world you will have trouble. I've told you these things so that in me you might have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But be of good cheer because in me you can have peace. Be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. I've told you these things, Jesus said. And you would have to go back and read all the previous chapters I've told you why I have come into this world. I've told you about oneness with the Father. I've told you about the Holy Spirit. I've told you why I have to go away. I've told you that I am the vine and you are the branches. I've told you all of these things so that in me you might have peace. I've told you these things so that when you find yourself squeezed in. I've told you these things so that when you find yourself in despair. I've told you these things so that when you find yourself in anguish. I've told you these things so that when the devil comes against you and the adversary tries to devour you. I've told you all of these things so that in the midst of it all in me you can have peace amen but there's two key words here underline it bold it circle it because everything about your christian faith hinges on it everything about your victory hinges on it and it's two simple little words in me in me In this world, you will have trouble. But in me, you can have peace. 
In me, you can have that peace that passes all understanding. In me, you can have a peace that this world can't give and this world can't take away. In me, you can have the kind of peace, church, that blows people's mind, including yours. It's a kind of peace that the world can't give, and it's the kind of peace the world cannot take away, church. Trouble can't take away. The big bad wolf can't take away. Anguish can't take away. Persecution can't take away. Goliath can't take away. It's the kind of peace that this world cannot touch, but it can only be found where? In Christ. In me. In me. In me. Listen, church, the only place you will ever find this kind of peace is in Jesus Christ. You're not going to find it in this world. You're not going to find it in the things of this world, in the entertainment of this world, in the people of this world. You can't find it. Oh, yeah, you'll find some temporary pleasures. They'll feel good for a moment or two, but they won't bring you peace. Listen, I've been there. You've been there. You can't find peace in a bottle of booze. You can't find peace in pills and prescriptions. They only go so far. They'll wear off. They'll wear out. Your pill bottle will one dime be empty. What happens to your peace? You won't find peace in Buddhism. You won't find peace in Hinduism. You won't find peace in Mohammed. Good Lord, all you got to do is look across the world and look across the Middle East. You certainly ain't going to find peace in Mohammed. Oh, but that's a peaceful religion. Nonsense. Yeah, that's what I said, nonsense. It's not a peaceful religion. It's a violent religion. The only place you and I will ever find peace, the only place... The Middle East will ever find peace. The only place this world will ever find peace is in Jesus Christ. The only place your mind will find peace, the only place your marriage will find peace, the only place your kids will find peace and your household will find peace is in Jesus Christ. But please understand, Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you might have peace. But here's the catch. I'm not saying it to be discouraging. I'm not saying it to be condemning. If you're not in Christ, you're in big trouble. If you're not in Christ, you're in big trouble this morning. If your marriage hasn't been hidden in Christ, your marriage is in big trouble. If your kids have not been hidden in Jesus Christ, they're in big trouble. If your family, your household, your ministry, your mind has not been hidden in Jesus Christ, they're all in big trouble. Listen, how many of you know this is Jesus Christ? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us in the form of Jesus Christ. This is Jesus. And if our mind is not in Christ, if our marriage is not in Christ, if our finances are not hidden in Christ, they won't have peace. 
said in the first service, the reason that so many of us are having financial difficulties and financial struggles in our lives is because we're hiding our money in our pockets instead of in Jesus Christ. When the offering plate comes by and we have an opportunity to entrust our finances into the King of Kings and the the Lord of Lords instead of hiding our income in Christ, we tuck it way down deep in our pocket. But let's hide that $100 bill. I don't want no one to see that. We even hide the $5 bill that we wad up real small and stick it in the offering. Hide it in Christ. Hide it. Hide it, in, hide it in Jesus Christ. Hide it in the kingdom of God. Hide it in the best bank that you could ever invest it in. Amen? Listen, the Bible tells me He's able to meet all of my needs according to His riches and glory. That tells me His pantry never runs dry. That tells me His bank account never has a zero and it's never in the negative. Amen, church? You're going to get a much greater return when you invest in the kingdom of God than you invest in some 2%, 1%, half of a percent CD out there. Wow, that's going to make you real rich. Half a percent. But it's something. You want to make it multiply 10 times, 60 times, 100 times, 300 times? Hide it in Christ. Amen? Look, I don't, I don't want to go any further on that. You know what to do with your money. I'm going to call the, the, the music come forward. Let them start playing. I'm going to begin to wind this down. Simply to tell you, if you are not hiding yourself in Christ, you will be overcome. Because listen to me, no one else can defend your marriage like Jesus can. No one else can defend your mind like Jesus can. No one else can watch over your children like Jesus can, like God can. No one else can watch over your spirit and watch over your household and watch over your job unless you hide it in Christ. Oh, I hope you're getting this. When you go out, when you wake up in the morning, I hope the first thing you do is say, God, I'm hiding myself in you today. There's a big bad wolf out there, God. So I'm hiding myself in you. I'm hiding my job in you because the devil's going to come after it today. I'm hiding my finances in you because the devil's going to come after it today. I'm hiding my children in you before I send them out there into a wicked, wild world in these polluted schools that, that teach nothing righteous at all. I'm hiding them in you. I'm hiding my marriage because it's a value to me. I'm hiding it in you. Before I open that door and I take a step out into this wicked, dying, corrupt world, I'm hiding myself in Jesus Christ. Amen. Hiding myself. He who abides in the shelter of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. See, there's some hiding that needs to take place in the house today. Not hiding yourself in a dark room. Not hiding yourself in a bottle of booze. Not hiding yourself in a bottle of pills. Not hiding yourself on a computer screen hoping to get some thrills from some pornography. Hide yourself in Christ. It's the only place you'll find peace. It's the only place you'll find strength. It's the only place you'll find power over the enemy churches in Jesus Christ. All of this hinges on the fact of whether we are in Jesus Christ or not. Here's where I'm ending. 
in John 16, 33, I believe with all of my heart that Jesus made a distinction between two worlds. This world and his world. He said, in this world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. I've overcome this world. He said, I've told you these things so that in me, in my world, you can have peace. You see, what this tells me is if I can't have peace in this world, there's only one world I can have it in. So Jesus is drawing a distinction between two worlds here. He's drawing a distinction between this world and his world. In this world, Jesus said, you will have trouble. In this world, you will have an adversary and an enemy. In this world, you will have struggles and big troubles. But all that lets me know is that there is another world that I can run to, church. There's another world that I can count on. There's another world that I can call on while I find myself in trouble. There's another place that I, another world that I can run to and be safe from the struggles and the trouble. What that tells me is that there's another world that I can draw from in my time of need. And that's what we don't do enough. Well, I find ourselves in the midst of big trouble. We don't reach up and draw from the other world, another world. We wallow and we whine and we complain and we cry about the world that we're in while there is a world of power that's available to us. A world of joy and a world of peace and a world of comfort and a world of wisdom and a world of healing and a world of strength. Listen, when sickness comes walking, knocking on your door and it wraps itself around you till you cannot breathe, I want you to know that there is a world where you can draw healing from. Life is in disarray can't find an ounce of sleep, there is a world that you can reach up to and draw peace from. You've lost a loved one. Seems like your best friend of 50 years is gone and left you all alone and you find yourself alone, filled with sorrow and grief and pain. There is a world that you can reach out to and find comfort in. In this world, this world, yes, you will have trouble. But please understand, in this world, I might have an adversary. But in that world, I have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Amen? In this world, I might have an adversary and difficulty in my life. But in that world, I have a fortress and a strong tower. I have a mighty God, the Lord strong and mighty. In another world, I have everything that I need to see me through my trouble. Amen. Yeah, that's worthy of some applause. Amen, church? I don't want to have to dig it out of you, but that's something to rejoice about. That's what I've led this whole thing up to, that no matter what you're going through in this world, there is another world that has greater power and authority over everything you're going through. In another world, I have a provider and a protector. In another world, I have a deliverer and a healer, a comforter and a counselor that tells me exactly what to do when I find myself in trouble. I don't know what trouble you're in this morning, church. I don't know how deep your despair might be. I don't know how much your heart might be hurting this morning. But I do know that in Him, you can find peace.
do know that in Him, our hearts can be strengthened. Amen? How many of you need to overcome some trouble in your life this morning? Simple question. How many of you need to overcome some trouble in your life this morning? If that's you, I want you to stand to your feet because here's how I'm closing. How many of you need some peace? If that's you, stand to your feet. If you need to draw something from another kingdom, from another world, you should be on your feet. Because what we're saying is here is, God, I'm in a mess, squeezed in, pressed in, can't hardly breathe, God. Trouble's been knocking at my door, been nipping at my heels making me feel small but I am of good cheer this morning God because I know you have overcome this world that's why I'm standing up that's why I'm confessing God this morning I want to draw from you if you need to draw anything this morning I'm going to make an invitation this is where you'll find it I know you can find it there but here is a demonstration of your faith God, I need to draw from that well that never runs dry. I need to draw from that well of joy. I need to draw from that well of peace. I need to draw from that well of healing. If you need to draw something from that world in glory, I'm going to ask that you come. We're going to sing. We're going to pray. You need anything, I'm going to ask you to come. You need peace, come. Here's where you'll find it. I won't beg. If you want to find it, you just come. And I promise you that you will not leave here empty. If you need to draw anything from the Father above, I want you to come. Listen, I'm going to say this not to beg, but I'm going to say this because I know why God gave me this word. I know there's trouble in this house. I know there's struggles in this house. I know there's affliction in this house. I know marriages are falling apart in this house. I know that people are sick in this house. I know people who have lost loved ones, sons and daughters that have gone away from God. You're in this house and you're still sitting in your seat. If you want to be set free, if you want to find what God has for you, if you want that peace that passes all understanding, just come. They're going to play and sing. Offer yourself. Come on. Open yourself up. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit smmcog.com.